Well, hello again and welcome in. Wherever you are today and wherever you're listening from, I'm so happy to have you over to feast upon God's Word together. Get your plate ready today and take a seat. It's the 44, which is Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's eat. I'm still your host, Jed Yancey, and today I want to tackle a pretty tough topic here. Uh, And I call it tough from the onset because of the divisive nature of this topic. You see, every now and again, I'll get the question asked of me about instrumental music or or the case here at Central, uh, the lack thereof of instruments. Basically, the question that I've heard in a nutshell is what's up with no instruments during the worship or, or during the singing part of worship? And typically, my initial response to that is somewhere along the lines of, uh, well, that's entirely not true. We, we've got a ton of instruments when we worship here, uh, around 300 or so of them. And, and of course, after saying that, I get the really curious kind of look because I know what they really mean is there's nobody playing a guitar. There is no uh, piano or whatever other instrument, playable instrument Uh, that we can think of. But but what I really mean in saying that is that there are 300 or so people that are using the one instrument that God gave all of us, and that is our voice. So like, yeah, some of us are bad, like me. I'll raise my hand there. And some are good and, and can read music and have a great voice. And then There are some that are in between, but God gave us all an instrument to use while we worship him. Now, this is a question that gets brought up, and I know, I'll tell you from the the start of this, where I personally stand because of what I can read in Scripture that, that we'll talk some about today. But the divisive nature of this question being brought up typically rises to the top when I I stand and and I say that I'm right and you're wrong on this. And I want you to know first off that that is never, ever a right way to answer any question that's posed or brought up. Even if you are right, you may be way off and completely wrong because of your approach in answering the question. Like, when it comes down to this stuff and and stuff like this, y'all, again, I know where I personally stand, again, because of what I've studied and and what God says in His Word. And, And those of you that have known me for a long time, you could be thinking, well, yeah, right, Jed. Like, we all know this is the way you were raised. This is the way you were brought up. And and yeah, to a certain extent, I think it's only appropriate that I acknowledge that. Yeah, you could be right. But let me assure you here today where I stand um, on this and, and my answer to this has a lot less to do with the way I was raised and what my parents taught me and a whole lot more to do with what God says in his word. So let's look at that, and let's start here. First and foremost, we must get this, that each and every one of us, no matter who you are, 
or where you came from, all of us will stand before God one day in judgment. And, and I know that you know that. In fact, just two weeks ago in our episode titled Any Fruit on That Tree, I, I said something along the lines of, of standing before God and having to answer for the fruit that was or was not produced from my life. Like in the same way, when it comes to my life and the way I live and the way I act and the way I talk, one day I've got to answer for it. But while I think we know this, and, and that's kind of a duh statement, I don't think that we oftentimes consider having to answer for the way that we worship. Now, as we still sit here in the start position uh, before we really get into the episode, I, I want you to hear what I've just said loud and clear, and that each and every one of us will stand before who? God. Not Jed, not your parents, not your spouse. We will all stand before God to give an answer to your life, your actions, your words, the fruit that you produced, and yes, even your worship. But please, please hear me personally as, in this. As I say up front, it is not my job, nor is it anyone else's, to decide or, or to make the judgment on who is and who is not lost and taking on this question and tackling this topic, I'm not going there. I'm just going to lay out for you what the scriptures say. And I just would like to speak to what God says about the instrument and our worship. So if you've heard that part, then let's proceed, and hopefully you're ready. And let's start by first off, making sure that we're all clear in that as a Christian, I cannot just do whatever I want. Like the divisive nature of this topic or this question, if it's that a question, it usually begins with someone who partakes in corporate worship with, with the instrument. And they say that God approved the instrument in the Old Testament. And that would be correct. Like, it's there. We know it's there. We can find it all over the place. But I think what is missed is that as I go back through the Old Testament, and I read and I study, that there is nowhere that I can find where the instrument is mentioned, where people just casually brought whatever they wanted to worship with and played it and just did whatever. God, from the very beginning has always been very, very specific and laid out very, very specific boundaries about all things, many things, including this. In fact, a lot of the Old Testament, <clears throat> Leviticus, <laughs> we consider to be very boring reading because of the specific nature of God, like all the details and instrumental music being played in the Old Testament is no different. It was always under a very specific, uh, specified pattern that, that was not decided by man, but decided by God. You see, we oftentimes will, will jump to a man like David. When it comes to the approved example of instrumental music and worship, and we call it good, he did it, so we 
are able to do it. But do we forget in that that David was a prophet? David was a man anointed by God, and, and as you read in places like 1 Chronicles chapter 25, uh, like verses 1 and 2, maybe 1 through 3, uh, a situation there with David and instruments, and, and then there's all these others that are listed that played the instrument. What we see is nothing random. There is no casual bring what you got and play it kind of worship. What these listed names did was because a prophet told them to do it. We see the specific nature there of what they were to play. And then even what they did was specific to who would even use the said instrument, whatever it was. You see, I think the argument that's made on the side of of God-approved worship with the instrument by going back to the Old Testament is a tough one to make because why was it even a thing to begin with? Well, God said to play it and to play it this way and to do it like this. And they did. That's super important for us to understand the very specific nature of what God said to do and what not to do, and not just for their lives and for our lives, but in their worship and in our worship. And in case we need reminding of just how specific God was and still is before we move forward, like look no further than the building of the tabernacle. Or what about the very uh, specific outline and detailed pattern that that God gave to Noah in the building of the ark. Like that's a good one to draw on here for a second because most of you know some details about that. And let me ask you, what if Noah had deviated from what God said to do? Like do you think he and his family would have made it through the flood if if Noah deviated or or chose what he wanted to do rather than what God laid out? Like Forget all the specifics for just a second that you can read about in Genesis 6. Let's just use one. God says, make the ark out of gopher wood. Build it out of that. Now, what if, let's play that game for a second. Noah just used whatever was available, like a little bit of pine, a little bit of this, a little bit of that then some gopher wood, like just a a whole bunch of different woods. Is there anybody out there willing to say that Noah and his family would have made it safely through the flood if Noah built it how he wanted to rather than how God said to do it? Like we can go wherever you want to go. God never operates in a way that's meh. Just do it however you want, guys. He he always specifically showed his people then and shows us today, do it this way, because this is what I like. This is how I want it, and this is how I want you to do it, and then also this is what's best for you, too. We can go back to the garden, very specific. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the situation with Uzzah reaching up and touching the Ark God said, don't touch it, but Uzzah did. There's another one, Nadab and Abihu. They they burned some strange incense to the Lord. They did what they wanted to do and not what God said to do. And what was the result of that? Like We need to understand when it comes to this and things like this, 
that we're not under the old law. And y'all, we should be super thankful for that. Like, thank you, Lord, for that. Romans chapter 7 tells us we've been released from that. Hebrews chapter 8 says we're now under a new covenant. The old one is obsolete, and this one is better. Like, I, I can go back to the Old Testament all I want to approve my worship with this, the instrument. But now the question becomes, if I am to go back to that and go back to the instrument and approving my worship and going back to what's now obsolete, then why not go back to the burning of incense? Why not go back to the sacrificing of animals? And maybe you've heard that one before, that argument. But like, if we just take the book of Hebrews that I just mentioned and we consider the context of it, the entire book is written to people that wanted to go back to the old and not move forward with the new that Christ died to bring about. The encouragement all over in the book of Hebrews is don't go back. Stay right here. You guys, you're blessed in that you get to exist and live and worship the better way. So let me get out of that for a second and share this with you. Like I, I talked about it some in, in our Spirit and Truth episode uh, a few months ago. Like One thing that hasn't changed from old law to new is the specific nature of God. And yes, even when it comes to our worship, because what I do know is Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15 that, yeah, it's, it's possible to worship in vain. And so rather than talk a bunch about that, because I did that a few episodes ago, let me just pose the question, well, well, how do I not worship in vain? If that's possible, then how do I not do that? How do I give God what he desires in worship? How do I do what he says will be best for me too in my worship? Well, it requires some reading. And when it comes to this particular topic, what we find uh, is that the New Testament church used the one instrument that God gave us all. Bad singer, good singer, uh, everywhere in between, musically inclined, and you can read music or not. God gave you an instrument that is your voice. Let me read you a few of, of what we find in the New Testament. Can I start in the first best place with Jesus in Matthew chapter 26? Jesus had just instituted the Lord's Supper, and he says there, uh, the Bible says there in verse 30, tells us that after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, quick side note, I would love to know what hymn they sang. That would be kind of cool. But more importantly, as I stick to the topic here, do you see an instrument there? You see, we don't find Jesus telling Peter to play the harmonica or John to break out the harp here. We see that they sang a song. That's all they did. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19 is another one, kind of a cool one, because the argument that most people make is that the instrument added to worship brings about this higher level of what our worship should be spiritually. Like, it just feels more impactful, or I like it more, or it moves me more. 
But what we see here at the end of verse 18 in Ephesians 5 uh, is Paul writes here and he says, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so how might that happen, we may ask. Well, he goes on to say in verse 19, by speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Again, we don't see God say through the pen of Paul to be filled with the Spirit by picking up a, a guitar or playing the instrument in the way that he once specified in the Old Testament. Here's, an, here's another one, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Uh, Paul writes, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, no instrument is mentioned. But we might say, well, God made an accident, right? <laughs> he slipped up. Like, because it's not mentioned here or anywhere else that I know of in the New Testament, then the instrument is just up for grabs, right? Like, that's for man to decide. Because it's omitted, we can just do whatever we want. Well, I would argue. First off, that it's not omitted. God has always been very specific. We've already outlined that. So, I mean, when it comes to this, I, I guess do what you wish. Because ultimately, as I go back to the beginning and where we started, you will be the one to answer to him about why. But doing what we want versus what God specifically tells us he wants and what is best for us. I'll give you the warning that that doesn't usually turn out real well. And we can read of that all throughout scripture. You know, honestly, as I move into the end of this, I, I debated on whether or not to even put this next part in here because I'm not a history buff by any means. Um, but in doing some reading, did you know that we can't really find a whole lot of the instrument being used in worship until around the 6th century with Catholicism. Like, it didn't happen. And now today, what we see is the majority of, of churches that come together and worship do use the instrument. So what happened over time? I, I urge you to investigate for yourself, of course, but... Real quick, as you go back to some of the big-time names in history that that founded or began certain denominations, uh, even they said some things pertaining to the instrument in worship, and none of them were in favor of it. So let me give you a few. Maybe you've heard of these guys, and, and you may be shocked at what they had to say about this. Like, honestly, if we aren't going to listen to God on this, maybe— Maybe you're out there and you listen to some of the founding fathers of, of certain denominations. Uh, so here's one. Maybe you know this name, John Calvin, who said musical instruments and celebrating the praises of God 
would be no more suitable than the burning of incense, the lighting up of lamps, and the restoration of the other shadows of the law. Here's another one. Martin Luther, uh, very well known, said the organ in the worship is the insignia of Baal. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, I have no objection to instruments of music in our chapels, provided they're neither seen nor they are they heard. Charles Spurgeon, 1800s, uh, very well-known Baptist uh, preacher, uh, what a degradation to supplant the intelligent song of the whole congregation by the theatrical prettiness of a quartet, bellow, and pipes. We might as well pray by machinery as praise by it. To take that one a step farther, I was even reading more about Spurgeon because he was questioned on this statement one time and was asked specifically why he felt that way. And he quoted 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15 uh, that reads, I will sing with the Spirit. I mean, as I come to the close here, if if what we are reading is the truth, and you believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, then let me reassure you, it is complete, it is perfect, and God specifically laid out what he wants us to do when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the way we talk, uh, when it comes to the fruit we are to produce, and also when it comes to our worship. And nowhere in the New Testament is there a mention of the instrument being used in worship? So then, how is it my call? How is it man's call to worship and to bring whatever I wish? I hope you'll listen again as I close here. Like, this is my answer, or rather, I mean, this is how I, Jed, will answer to the Lord one day as he judges my life and my actions, and my fruit, and my worship. And I don't get to decide your answer. That's up to you. But if the best that we got, as it pertains to anything, is I'm just going to do what I like, or do what I want, or, or worship in such a way to personally only get something out of it, as we like to selfishly say, I would hope that you start to consider what is it that we are giving to God? Not necessarily always, what am I getting out of it? Sure, we should get some things. We should be edified. But but ultimately, what are we bringing and giving to God? Is it what He wants? Is it what He says to do? Or is it a strange incense? And I've decided to do how I want. Am I now the one that is worshiping how I want and living how I want and acting how I want and talking how I want? I hope you can see how this is a domino effect that ultimately leads to our own demise and a hard-to-answer question on the day of, of judgment. Let me end with this. Again, I will never claim to be judge or jury when it comes to where you spend eternity, that's on you. 
uh, personally, I believe, and I stand on the side of what God does say about this, and personally feel that if 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 I bring the instrument into my worship, I'm offering up something he does not approve of. I personally feel as though there are more than enough warnings I can read of for me to not do that. But you, you will appear before the Lord one day. And what will your answer be about the way that you worship? Listen, I, I know this is divisive in some cases. That's how I started this. I know that. I've prayed about this all week. Um obviously dug pretty deep in study, most especially to try to condense this down into about 20 minutes or so. And that probably doesn't do this nearly enough justice. And so if you have questions as we close here, I'd love to talk and study whatever you got. I'm I'm here to help and and for us to grow. Um as always, I love you guys so much. I thank you so much for listening in today. And until next week, keep on eating.